This is a special edition of the Colin and Samir podcast, primarily because it's just Samir. This is the first time I've ever done this podcast alone or any podcast alone, which is going to be an interesting experience. So I took to Twitter and Instagram to ask for questions and topics from you guys, and you responded with, honestly, some incredible questions. Uh, so I'm really excited to get to that. But just to give you guys some background on why I'm doing this, Colin is traveling out of town. I was at a wedding all weekend, and we just didn't have the time to record a podcast together before he left because we've been working on this new documentary with our friends at Yes Theory, and we just really don't want to miss a week. We've committed to ourselves that we're going to publish more of our work. We're trying to um, make sure we're publishing YouTube videos and podcasts and connecting with our community during this process of making this movie and, and beyond that. So we wanted to make sure we published something, and I thought it was a good opportunity to do an AMA and ask me anything. So here's a question uh, from NY on Twitter. He says, what's the most challenging part of recording a solo podcast? Well, Jay, I am going to answer that question at the end of this podcast because I don't know yet. This is my first time doing a solo podcast. All right, I'm going to do some questions from Twitter. Also, you'll notice that at the beginning of this podcast, I did not roll the intro. I thought it was going to be kind of this odd thing if I introduce the podcast and then it's just me again talking. So anyway, you get the concept. So let's kick it off with our first question here. And our first question comes from Golden Girl on Twitter. She said, how do you overcome the fear of pursuing a creative career in a world that seems so against creatives? That's really interesting. I, I'm, I'm not positive um, what she's referring to, but I think if you have it inside yourself, if you are a creative and you want to pursue a creative career, um, you have to kind of just go for it. It's probably, it's, it's, it's a scary thing to do, even if you aren't in a world that uh, feels against creativity. But a person that I would turn to and, and kind of look at, um, someone I respect and admire a lot, is Amar from Yes Theory. He's, uh, he, he, he has a lot of odds against him for pursuing this creative career, but he still goes for it. All right. Who is your dream podcast guest? This is a question from Instagram from Sir Baluja. <clears throat> My dream podcast guest, probably right now I would say Casey Neistat. Casey Neistat is someone who really inspired me to create and um, tell my own story and just kind of create at a more frequent pace uh, and think outside of the box of, of what modern filmmaking really is. So he's someone I would love to sit down and talk to and, and just have an opportunity to dig in a little bit more to who he is and 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 uh, kind of the stuff that that has happened behind the scenes um, of, of, of Casey Neistat. So here's another question for from Instagram. This is from Samuel Shapley. Uh, he says, what is your motivation in life? It's a really interesting question. This is a conversation I've been having a lot with my brother. Um, just kind of what, what, is, what is our purpose? What's our motivation? For me, what I've started to come down to is that a lot of my motivation is community. Like I want to develop a community. I want people that I see every day that I get to collaborate with, that I get to create with, um, that's a lot of what brings me purpose. Even as I look at making this movie that we're making right now, a lot of the days are really hard. They're really challenging. We, we have big things to overcome. We have a lot of work to do that can be very overwhelming. But the best part of the whole thing is 
solving that problem with the people in that room. And because that's so enjoyable, it makes every day really fun. And, and when I look at it, I'm like, oh, if I can just keep doing this, if I can keep solving problems with the people around that I, that I really enjoy, that's the goal. That's my motivation is to keep doing more of this. So every day when I go in, I want to do a really good job doing it. And I want to create something that other people can enjoy and, and build community with our creation. But it's also that day-to-day community of, of saying, hey, I want to put myself in a situation where I want to be able to collaborate with all of these amazing people. So that's a, that's a big part of the motivation for me on a day-to-day. All right, this is from K Ray Pop on Instagram says the latest video on YouTube was great, but wasn't it just like the breakdown? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a great question. It if you're not familiar, the breakdown was a show that we have done on our YouTube channel. It's something that we concepted. It's a show that is kind of like last week tonight or um, Phil DeFranco, kind of this Vox style um, that talks about internet culture and and YouTube with the happenings on YouTube and. This last episode that we did on our YouTube channel was really similar to, you know, what we did with the breakdown and the brand of the breakdown. But I think that, um, you know, what we've been trying to figure out is how to remain consistent on YouTube, how to make sure that we're releasing a video every week. And we have this strong desire to release vlogs as well and, and, and do different types of storytelling. And that's not been something that's been really easy for us, um, you know, a lot over the past three years, we've been trying to find our voice as creators and as storytellers and as uh, YouTubers, really. And a lot of that means doing one thing and doing it consistently and doing it really well so that um, people understand what to expect when they're subscribed. And it hasn't been that easy for us to stick to one type of video. When we were doing the breakdown, I think it was one of the most enjoyable um, shows to actually release, but also one of the hardest shows to make um, in the in the full extent of it. So we're starting to find a way to make those on a, on a lighter scale where we're still happy with the product, but it doesn't take seven or eight days to actually put together um, so that we could release with more frequency all while we're doing other things. So a big part of this is that YouTube is not our primary source of income. Um, it is the dream that it becomes a more significant part of our business. But right now, you know, we're filmmakers and, and we're making films for other people and, and brands and, and, uh, that takes up a lot of our time. So then shifting gears and, and making the YouTube videos that we want to make, um, we have to be really smart with how we use that time. So, you know, long story short, yes, it's, it's basically the same style as the breakdown. We're not positive yet. If we want to call it the breakdown, if it's in, infrequent, if it comes every once in a while. So actually I'd love to hear your opinion on that. If, you think when we do release a video that is in that same similar style, should we put the branding on it and call it the breakdown? Or is it just another YouTube video that comes out on our channel? Here's a question from Julius Uprising on Instagram. Have you considered actually doing a podcast with a subscriber? Um, yes, we have. And, and we did something kind of similar. Um, we have a podcast episode with Braxton Haugen, who's a fellow YouTube creator, super talented filmmaker, uh, and he, we actually flew him out uh, to L.A. to work with us. And speaking of The Breakdown, he worked with us on that show, The Breakdown. Um, but the way we met him is he was a subscriber and he wrote about us uh, in, in a Medium post. And we read it and we were like, this guy is an incredible writer, which must mean that he's a great storyteller uh, and a great filmmaker. And we'd love to, to work with him. 
Um, so we have done a podcast with a subscriber and I would love to do more of those. That's really interesting to kind of understand how someone perceives you and understand how someone's receiving the things that you're creating. You know, a lot of times we don't really have an understanding of how our community is, you know, receiving the creations that we put out. We really have have no frame of reference. It, we just see numbers oftentimes go up on on YouTube, or um, you know, we we do see responses on Twitter or comments on YouTube. But you know, in the large scale of things, it's you, you really don't know how your subscribers are reacting to your content. Um, so I would love to have more conversations. It's always fascinating when we're walking around and and someone says, "Hey, I I, I love your videos," or "I love the podcast." So Colin and I always want to know more. Okay, so what do you love about them? What do you, what, what do you connect with? Um, that's always the most interesting to us. So any level of feedback that, that you have, um, we greatly appreciate it. It's, it's, it's amazing to hear how you're receiving the stuff that we're putting out. All right, back to Twitter. Here is a question from, let's see, let's do this question from Miguel Dickinson. Um, he says, I'd like to hear how you guys, I'd like to hear you guys speak on how you developed your artistic style. Was it trial and error process involving audience response or more so that you both naturally have those ideas and expressing yourself how you want, regardless of what people seem to want? Hmm. That's, that's a really good question. So initially I would say if you would like to become a creator or an artist, most likely you're inspired by someone or something. And I'll take this back to when I was younger and I played music. When I played music, I was obsessed with Blink-182 and Green Day and all these kind of uh, early 2000s punk rock bands. And when I started playing music, I just wanted to learn their songs. And I wanted to play exactly like them. And then when I started my own band, most of our songs sounded exactly like their songs. And then as I got older and through the process of playing music, I started to do things that I liked and variations of those songs and then build upon that. And then eventually, um, you know, 10 years down the line, I was in a band that I thought was definitely influenced by those bands, but had its own style and its own tone and its own, um, you know, voice. And I would say as an artist, how you develop your, your artistic style, oftentimes it's influenced by someone else. If you're a YouTube creator and you absolutely love Peter McKinnon and you want to make a vlog just like Peter McKinnon, then I would urge you to actually do that. Go out and try and make that vlog that that looks like a Peter McKinnon vlog. And once you do that, you're gonna kind of get over the hump of creating and being like, oh man, I really love that. And through that process of imitation, you're gonna find your own artistic style. And I think that that is um, something that oftentimes is looked down upon saying, oh man, that guy's just copying that person. And I wouldn't suggest that you should do that for your whole career or build a career off of copying someone. I'm just saying to get yourself started, a lot of times you're going to be influenced or inspired by someone and, you know, creating based on that is is what's really important. When we started our first company, um, the Lacrosse Network, I was super inspired by um, things that I had seen on uh, ESPN or things that I had seen on NFL Network. Um, I mean, the, the company was called the Lacrosse Network based off of me watching a lot of the NFL Network and just thinking, hey, this is a, a network dedicated to one community. I want to make something similar. So, you know, I, I was very inspired by that. And then eventually we developed our own tone and our own voice um, just through the process of creating and and uh, through the process of the audience responding. And 
and enjoying certain things. So yeah, I mean, I would say find find something you love, try and recreate it, and then through that process, try and try and iterate and, and innovate based off that, and then turn to audience feedback and see what people like and and see um, how you like making that stuff. But the most thing, the, the most important thing is just to start creating, and eventually you'll you'll start to develop your own style. All right, this is from Jay Rivas on Twitter. If you are both editing one single video, how do you define the parts that Colin or you will be working on? Um, good question. You know, we don't really share in the work uh, while the, the video process is happening. Oftentimes what happens is, you know, we'll, we'll sit together and develop an idea. We'll film it together and... Um, you know, based on something that we've written down, we we typically write out a loose script for what we want to film. Um, and the reason we keep it that loose is because we actually want room to improvise. We want to give ourselves the the space for the spontaneous to happen. We want to give ourselves the space where someone can say something and make the other person laugh, or someone can say something and um, you know take the conversation in a different direction. But the important thing is that we have the outline in our head that's, hey, here's where the video is going. And, and that kind of answers a little bit of the question. A lot of people had questions about storyboarding. Um, outlines are how we storyboard. Um, and, and we kind of, hey, these are the big blocks of where we want the story to start and end. And here's the points we want to hit along the way. Everything in between is up to us and, and our creative interpretation or just how we're feeling that day or how we want to host this video. Now, when it comes to the editing process and the post-production process, Colin is our primary, um, you know, editor, storyteller, um, where he'll put together the the first version of the video that's pretty close to, hey, this is this is the this is the video that we're gonna put out. From there, typically, I'll come in or provide feedback on. I think we should do this. I think we should do that. I think the music should be like this, and um, you know, I'll I'll step in and 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 do some some editing on that side, and then we'll press publish, but. You know, what we're trying to do now is be a lot quicker um, with our ideas and, and take our ideas into action and up to publish um, faster than we have before so that we can get out more, so we can become better creators, so we can develop a deeper connection with our audience uh, and really get closer to achieving that dream of, of having a creative community online um, that, that we've always wanted and being able to tell stories for a living. So, you know, long, long way of answering that question, but if we're both... If we're both working on a video, it, it's not at this at necessarily at the same time. Um, now, when you take that to documentary and when you're doing something that's 48 minutes long or, or 50 or 60 minutes long, like we're doing right now on this new Yes Theory movie, what we actually do is write out this loose outline and we'll break it up into segments. So we'll say, okay, cold open and act one. This is all a part of segment one. Uh, and that leads us up to you know the, the act two or segment two of the movie. So one person will take segment one and just own segment one, and they will edit um, segment one, and then the next person will take segment two, segment three, segment four, and and you'll just start editing and, and creating your segment as best as you can, knowing what comes before and after. And then right now we're at the process in the movie where we're actually stringing them together on a regular basis. So we're taking them and we're putting them together almost on a nightly or, or every other night basis now to make sure that the movie makes sense when it's put all together. So there's a couple different ways to do it. It all depends on the project. Um, but in, in our personal work, um, Colin is our, our primary editor and, and I come in from time to time to uh, help out. And 
when we uh, when we first started Lacrosse Network, I was actually the the main editor in the beginning until Colin came on board and, and kind of took over a lot of that stuff. All right, here's a question from the Off Carter. He says, how did you meet Yes Theory? This is a question on Instagram. Uh, we met Yes Theory through cold outreach, but we actually did that cold outreach through making a video. Um, you know, for us, we, we like to think about meeting people and, and meeting them where they are. And, you know, what I mean by that is Yes Theory was creating a lot of videos and we really loved how they made videos. Uh, and we noticed that they were in the same town as us, the, the town that we would spend a lot of time in. So we, we looked at the situation and said, these guys are creating um, these time constraints for themselves, 24 hours to do this, 24 hours to do that. And we were like, why don't we give ourselves 24 hours to meet them and kind of meet them on their level where they're at. So that's what we did. And to be honest, their, their first impression, I think of us and their first kind of, uh, their first reaction to us was like, okay, these guys are like fans and, and we don't want to uh, have them at our house for too long. And when they agreed to have us over, uh, but once we met and started talking, I think they realized, okay, we were, yes, they're fans of our work, but we're also peers. Um, and there's also a lot that we can learn from each other and a lot that we can collaborate on. So since then, the relationship has been incredible. We've, we've been able to create so many amazing things together and become such close friends. Um, but yeah, how we met them was how we meet most, most people, which is on, on the internet through making videos or doing some level of cold outreach, uh, just going for it, just being like, I want to meet these people. I'm going to try and make this happen. Man, this is, uh, this is not as easy as, uh, as I thought it was going to be, but it's actually very enjoyable to read all of your guys' uh, questions. So this is from Luke Barker 1123 on Instagram. He says, do you guys get days off or do you keep working? Because if you don't do it, then no one else will. So you have to be really disciplined when you're your own boss or when you have your own project uh, about balance and about taking days off. And I've been pretty bad at this for the entirety of my creative and, and entrepreneurial career. So we don't get days off. We don't, you know, we don't really have days off per se, but um, we, we, we try our best to, to have some level of balance. The thing is when you, when you have your own thing, you really want to be working on it as much as possible. Um, if you're truly passionate about it, you, you really don't want to stop. You want to make it as good as, as, as possible. Um, so I always visualize it like this. If, um, if you're at a company, you know, everyone in a company or a startup or whatever is, is trying to push this one huge rock up a mountain. Now, when you're at a company, if you take a break or leave for a couple days, there's still, you know, 10, 15, 50 other people pushing that rock up the hill. So you're making progress every day, no matter what. If you're a solo entrepreneur or a solo artist or, or creative, you're the only one pushing that rock up the hill. And if you stop, that rock's going to come rolling down. So it's kind of like every day, either you're progressing or you're not. Those are the kind of the two options when you're a, uh, when you're an entrepreneur or, or a solo creative. So it affects you a lot to take a day off because it feels like I'm not progressing and there's no one else around me to help push this rock up the mountain. So I should do it every day. Uh, I don't want to fall behind. And I think that that is one of the hardest parts of not working at a company and, and being a solo um, creator is that you, you don't want to take any days off. Um, 
So yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. I'm still trying to figure out what balance looks like. Uh, but you know, we're, uh, we're getting to that point, uh, where I think we're starting to learn a little bit more about balance and, and we've burnt out enough times to learn, to learn about that. This is a perfect segue to the next question. This is Ben Van B on Instagram. He says, how do you feel about having gray hair? It's an interesting question. I mean, I, um, I'm going gray pretty fast. Uh, it, it's, I'm going gray in my beard and I'm going gray in my hair. Um, and it's all happening very rapidly. It's, it's something I didn't anticipate to happen this early, but it's happening. And I think a lot of it is a reminder to me about um, time and the fact that time is constantly moving forward. Um, you know, this is, this is just something that I didn't, didn't anticipate and all of a sudden it's here. And that's a lot of my life. You know, I'm turning 30 in, in, in 10 days. And that's something that when you're younger, you're like, man, I'm never going to turn 30. That's so old. That's so crazy. Um, but then it just happens and you're like, whoa, this all happens really fast. Um, so I think the gray hair is kind of that reminder, um, which I like. Uh, aesthetically, I think it looks cool, which is great. Uh, but it's also a reminder to remain a little bit more balanced and uh, not take on so much stress. I, uh, I tend to put myself in, in pretty stressful situations, whether it's um, through the filmmaking process where you have these really crazy tight deadlines and uh, you want to make the project as good as possible and you're not sleeping much and you're not eating well and you're not working out. And a lot of that stress can um, weigh on you. And I, 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 th I think the gray hair is kind of a, uh, a symbol. So short uh, answer to that. I, I actually feel pretty good about it, but I, I am uh, surprised uh, that it happened this early. The best books you've ever read from Marzi Garcia. Okay, the Mar I think that's Mars Garcia. Uh, sorry, I, that took me so long to figure out. Uh, on Instagram, best books that you've ever read. Um, I love Seth Godin. He's an amazing marketing mind, and I love reading his books. He has a book called Unleashing the Idea Virus. It's, it's from the... Uh, I think it's from the 90s or the early 2000s, but it's so relevant to today and, and just coming up with any sort of idea. Um, and it's really what sparked the idea for, for, for our first business and, and um, has really helped me. There's another one called Tribes by Seth Godin. That's really incredible, especially if you're into YouTube or, or YouTube creation. Um, so uh, basically any Seth Godin book I love. Um, all right. I like this one. Should a creative or startup move to LA to be more successful? Um, I think the answer to that is no. You don't have to move to LA. It depends on the industry you're in. Um, if you're just a pure creative, a lot of times you can be incredibly successful if you are in a town that um, doesn't have like this abundance of creatives. You just can stick out um, a lot better. And so I think that's something to think about is, do I want to go to LA for a specific purpose? Am I there because I absolutely want to be involved in Hollywood? Am I there because there's certain types of creators I want to collaborate with? Am I there because I want to network with some type of people? Um, why do I have to be in Los Angeles? It's a really important question to ask. So, you know, a lot of the reason that I'm in Los Angeles is because I grew up here. But I don't know if I if I didn't grow up here, I'm not positive that I would I would live here. Or I'm not positive I would choose to have my business be based out of here. Um, I think there's there's a lot of amazing places, not only in the United States but in the world, that you can uh, 
that you can start your business in and really stand out as a creative. Um, Los Angeles is, is one of the hardest places to stand out. Another thing that I really like about it, I, I enjoy a challenge, but it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's not necessary at all. Speaking of which, this question is from Twitter from Andrew Howard. He said, any summer movies that you saw or are looking forward to seeing? Uh, the only summer movie I'm looking forward to is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, and another summer movie I'm looking forward to is our movie that comes out on August 11th. YesTheory.com slash documentary. Make sure to check it out and sign up for early access. That was a shameless plug uh, for our new movie. I'm, I'm just really excited about it. It's, it's going to be a really unique experience. It's been a unique experience making it. The footage is unbelievable. It's the biggest collaboration that Yes Theory's done. The, the creators they brought with them on the trip were just unbelievable. And, and it's crazy to get to tell this story. Um, it's such a powerful, powerful and emotional story. So August 11th, check that out. But the other answer is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Has anyone seen that yet? If you've seen it, tweet at me or uh, DM me because I want to know what you thought about it. It looks so good. Um, all right, a couple more questions here. Justin Kanna, he says, are there other aspects of Indian awesomeness you'd like to see brought into pop culture? Yeah, I think uh, I'm just so excited that there's more Indians in pop culture uh, and there's just more representation across a lot of races in pop culture. That's so cool. Um, it's so exciting for me to see all that. And I really enjoy being a part of that and, and being someone who's a creator and gets to share parts of my culture. Uh, I'd like to share more of it. I think one thing I'd love to see more of in, in pop culture is just people sharing their authentic experiences with growing up as um, you know an immigrant or, or in a different culture. I think anything like that that encourages empathy is so important um, and is so exciting for people to, uh, to, to get to share with the world and other people to receive. Um, a lot of the issues I believe in the world come from a lack of empathy and uh, anything that encourages that I think is just so important. All right, this question is from Instagram. When is your wedding, Samir? Uh, my wedding is next June. Uh, so it's about 10 months away. Pretty exciting. Also um, very uh, insane to plan and uh, like the, literally like the biggest production I've ever put on in my life. So uh, yeah, but it's next June. Uh, from Matt Murley. You and Colin spend a lot of time together. Do you ever get on each other's nerves? And how do you deal with that? Um, yeah, I think it's natural to get on each other's nerves when you, you spend this much time together and you're doing something like creating together. That's a, it's a very personal thing to do, but we choose to do it together. Um, we communicate a lot. I, I think we also have spent so much time together that we kind of know when we are on each other's nerves um, and we know how to navigate that. So communication is the most important. If you're going into any sort of creative partnership, you got to communicate. You got to figure out how you're going to not leave anything, um, you know, not, not sweep anything under the rug because it will come up. All right, what is the biggest advice you can give filmmakers starting out to gain an edge? Uh, if you're first starting out, I would just say find your voice, um, get pretty confident in that voice, and then tap into one community. Find the community that you want to make films for. That will give you an edge. So if you love, I don't know, if you love weaving, start making films about weaving and sending them to other people who love weaving. It's a great way for you to build your name, build an audience, and build a group of people who absolutely love your work so that if you do branch out and do something different, 
then you know you'll have an audience that comes with you. Uh, I think the, the the primary reason why we um, were able to shift over and start making different types of films is because we built a really strong community in, in lacrosse. And um, there's a lot of people who loved the videos that we made about lacrosse. And, and we got to build a community. And because of that, we, we carried a lot of people over. And I'm, I'm sure or uh, you can tell me if there's people listening to this podcast who are here because they watched us on the lacrosse network and, and were fans of uh, what we did for the lacrosse community. If, if you're one of those people, then, you know, tweet at me, <laughs> let me know. Um, but that's, that's what I would say is that if you want to gain an edge in the creative community, um, or as a filmmaker, um, pick one community that you deeply care about and make films for that community. Um, you know, I, I still, to this day, I, I would love to, I, I wish I did more of it, but I want to make more films for the lacrosse community because it's, uh, it's, it's one of my, my favorite communities to make films for. I, I just have such a deep connection with that community. All right. Let's see. Um, what is, what does your brainstorming process look like for new projects? Um, you know, a lot of that is, is gotta be around the concept of why it, 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 Colin and I have a new idea every single day and it's like, we're very sporadic and, and our minds move really fast. And what we're trying to get into more is if you do have a new project, why are you doing it? And what is the expected outcome? And, and honestly, can you say to yourself that you will do this thing for the next year or two years until you start to see that expected outcome. Any creative project or any new project is gonna take a lot of time to develop. So you really have to look at it and say, can I make this commitment to do this thing for the next two to three years and why am I making this commitment? Um, you know, And maybe it's not gonna take two or three years, but however long it's gonna to take to get to that desired outcome, that's what you have to get really comfortable with and really say, I'm gonna do that uh, for as long as it takes to get to that desired outcome. Um, all right, I'm just going to do a couple more questions. All right, this next question comes from Tyler Zucks on Instagram. Tyler asks, how difficult was it going from TLN to where you are today and staying successful? Um, TLN was our first company, the Lacrosse Network, online network dedicated to the sport of lacrosse. Um, the reality is it, it's been it's been pretty challenging. Um, TLN, as, as an idea, when we first started building it, we really invested a lot of our lives into it and and built that for about five to six years together um, and built it very focused inside of a community that we were a part of and, and very authentic to. Stepping outside of that, the focus is a lot more broad and it's more on filmmaking in general. Um, that's pretty hard to grow and build a unique brand in. You're, you're really starting to compete with a lot more people and, and in a lot bigger of a space. So, you know, it's been hard. Um, the, the second part of that question is staying successful. I think a lot of that is relative. Um, yes, we've had some really big wins and, and, um, we've done a lot of really cool projects and we've been able to support our business, but there's also times where we don't necessarily feel successful. Um, there's a lot of times where we don't feel like our day to day is what we want to be doing. And we look back on our first company with, with TLN and think about that day to day and how amazing that was. And, there's going to be days where you think, man, did I, did I leave too early? Did I, uh, did I, did I not treat that, you know, correctly, the, the, the transition period? Um, am I successful now? So all of it is relative, but I would say it's all challenging and anticipating the road ahead. What you have to love is the challenge. 
it's not really the end of that. Uh, uh, it's not the end destination of it. It's really the challenge, the day-to-day challenge, um, the wins, the losses, the lessons. Um, that's the part that you have to love, and that's the part that um, will make you successful if, if you really love that, that part of the journey. So to, the, the short answer is uh, it, it, very difficult. It's all, it, it's all difficult. Um, but if you, if you enjoy the process of that, if you enjoy the difficult nature of it, then you, know, you, will, you will be successful. All right, next question from Seb Ferguson on Instagram. What were some key stepping stones for establishing Colin and Samir so far? Um, I think all of our collaborations and our decisions to reach out to people, um, communicate with people, and, and really collaborate a lot um, within the community in Los Angeles. So taking a look wherever you are, if you're trying to build a creative brand, look in your backyard and say, who, who else is here who might want to collaborate? And I look at creators like Matt Diavella, Yes Theory, Mango Street, all people who are in this small 10-mile radius of us that we reached out to and said, we want to create with you and we want, we're interested and we want to provide value. And, you know, we went with Mango Street on some of their productions and shot behind the scenes because we wanted to, you know, see their creative process and and be a part of um, this creator community out here in LA. So doing a lot of different things um, to make sure that we joined that community, those were all huge stepping stones. And I think we're still on that path today where, we're still trying to build the creator community around us here in Los Angeles. All right. Nathaniel Mole on Instagram, do you think you will ever or are you ever interested in making an actual movie with a huge crew? Yeah, I think I think one day I'd, I'd love to experience that, but I don't know if that would be as fun as making the movies that we make with the people that we really enjoy making them with um, here in LA and here in the creator community and just the people that we get to work with on a day-to-day basis. Um, working on this movie that we're working on with Yes Theory right now is so fun because all these people are our best friends and uh, it's such a small, intimate group and you're conquering things that seem impossible with the, with the type of crew size you have, but you're doing it. And that feels really good. So, you know, sometimes when I think about the, the big filmmaking things, sometimes I think maybe that's not, maybe that's not what we do. Maybe that's not, um, you know, our, our skill set and our forte. Maybe it is the thing that we're doing right now. You know, maybe this is the thing that we want to be doing. Um, so, yeah, it's all relative. You, you, you find out only when you get there. All right, this last question. Actually, it's not really a question. It's more of a thought. Uh, and a request on Twitter comes from Nav. Nav says, talk about India and your roots. So this is something I actually definitely want to include more in our content. You know, I grew up here in Los Angeles, but both my parents were born in India, and I grew up going to India almost once a year. So it's a huge part of my upbringing and, and honestly a part, of my, a part of my culture. So it's something that I want to integrate more into our content. I actually have a list of dream podcast guests who are all Indian creatives because I really think that Growing up, uh, culturally, it wasn't as easy to see a path towards creativity in the Indian community, and there weren't that many role models to look up to who were doing it. But today there are, and I think sitting down with them and and talking to them about what their experience was like pursuing creativity in the Indian community, that that would be really interesting. Um, And I'd also like to share a lot of my roots with with the audience through video and, and through podcasts. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go into that right now on this. Ask me anything, but I will make it a point to integrate that more into our content. 
All right, to end with the first question that I uh, brought up, what's it like to do a podcast on your own? What is the most challenging part about doing a podcast on your own? Uh, Definitely not being able to have a conversation and have feedback while I'm talking. It's a pretty strange thing to be talking to yourself into a microphone in a room for 45 minutes. So I hope you guys enjoyed that AMA. It was really fun for me to read those questions. Um, it was, it's always amazing to hear from our community and hear from you guys, what you think about what we're doing, what questions you want us to answer. Um, this is the best part of creating is actually getting to connect. And as I mentioned, a big part of my motivation is to build a community. So thank you to everyone who submitted to this AMA. And if you guys liked this, then we should probably do one with Colin and maybe he'll take an AMA as well. Uh, if you have any other questions or we didn't answer your question, you can tweet at us at Colin and Samir. You can uh, DM us on Instagram. You can email us, colinandsamir at gmail.com. And make sure to stay tuned to our YouTube channel. We're trying to release more regular videos. Right now, we're uploading every Sunday. All right, we will see you back here next week for another episode of the Colin and Samir podcast.